morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumzer, and today we're going to be talking with Richard Milam from EnableSoft. EnableSoft is a company that delivers robotic process automation, and we're going to learn about what RPA is and what you need to do to get so. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Hey, good morning, John. Good to be with you again. Yeah. So why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us how you got here. Richard Milam, founder and CEO of EnableSoft. We're uh, one of uh, the companies that has robotic process automation in the market, creating business outcomes. We were created as a company 25 years ago to build technology to help financial institutions migrate data uh, that was having to be uh, input manually. And this grew into what, you know, in the last five years has become the robotic process automation or software robot, software that operates other software like a human does, um, revolution. Um, RPA has got its kind of boost five years ago because of the outsourcing companies that were outsourcing jobs overseas that uh, were manual data processes, experienced uh, a rise in um, wages overseas, expenses got high, the uh, data security issues became amplified because of data breaches, and so the idea of having robots in, in your business do the work instead of shipping it overseas became a very, very cool thing, John, and it's, it's, you know, it's growing to be a $5 billion industry the next few years. And so software robots are all over the place. Uh, robotic process automation is uh, used by um, certainly all the Fortune 500 businesses and now into the middle market as well. And, and we have customers in 15 different industries, although most of our customers are in financial institutions or healthcare institutions. And uh, so this technology enables uh, businesses to automate processes end-to-end where the humans had to do a lot of stuff that was involved structured data and business rules and fingers on a keyboard. So if those three things are in place, you can usually use a, a, a robotic process automation technology to automate those processes and help create a digital enterprise, which is required to engage in the auto, uh, intel, uh, artificial intelligence industrial revolution that's about uh, 10 years on the horizon. Uh, our unique... Go ahead. Uh, uh, go ahead. No, no, you, I, I interrupted you. I apologize. I was just going to say uh, where where we're different is our technology versus being built for IT to deploy and in mass is built for the subject matter expert or or citizen developer, if you will, to create these automations themselves, keeping the human close in the loop, which is now five years into this RPA movement, is. Uh, makes us look like a visionary because uh, it's it's becoming clear that the humans need to be very closely involved with the robots to expand their use, deploy them, and keep them controlled. Got it. So let's dig a little deeper into what RPA is exactly. How do, how do I know when it's possible to install an automated process? Sure. So three things I mentioned earlier. If there's if the process involves a human being and a keyboard, well, using structured data that means that uh, data that's not uh, free form like an email or a document, a free form document, but structured data where there's a name column, a, an address column, an account number column, and an account type column. So 
fingers on a keyboard, structured data. And the third thing is where the business rules to do that process, to input that data, to make decisions, to look up certain table data that could be put into the robot to say, if it's Florida, it's this code. If it's California, it's this code. So structured data, fingers on a keyboard, and business rules that can be uh, captured in the robot. So if those three things exist in the process, it's very likely that you can take a technology like ours called Foxtrot RPA and automate it safely and accountably, relieve the human being from the, the rote brute force manual processes, put them in charge as thinkers and automators, and help the business grow. Got it. So do you need to have I don't understand the pricing and sort of return on investment thing. Do you need to have a number of processes in your organization to start working with RPA, or can you do it with just a single process? Yeah, so, uh, we've seen many, many times where a single process uh, justifies the cost for the first year. Most most uh, businesses are uh, like us. They license the software as a service, so it's an annual fee every year. Uh, but the pricing is widely varied based on how the robots are deployed and created and that sort of stuff. So I won't get into that. But yes, the, the shorter answer is we see many, many instances where the first proof of concept or the first use case justifies the uh, at least the financial expense. Um, you know, there's always other intangibles when you implement new technology. You got a learning curve. You got to have the people uh, available to deploy it or pay for the services to do that. So if you can add, if you can put numbers on those and, and calculate an ROI, for example, healthcare company, Stewart Healthcare, a very large healthcare firm and out of uh, Phoenix, is, uh, the CEO there, and Troy Smith is on, on record as saying that he's been at it uh, about three years with our technology, getting sometimes 60 to 1 return on investment, depending on the uh, application, and uh, he's measured that very carefully, but saving millions of dollars every year with probably about 50 robots, software robots. So can you help me understand sort of the size and, and complexity of a project that it takes to to have RPA make sense? So is it tens of thousands of transactions a year or is it 20 steps in complexity? How do, how do I understand if, if I'm a candidate for, for having RPA in my company? Yes, good question. So... It depends on the process, right, and, and what the limitations on the time frame to do the process are. So there's a nonprofit in Georgia that had a requirement to enter all their donor information in the 24-hour period that is the first day of the year. And so they had to hire 30 to 40 people to come in and key that information that day. They were able to automate that with a rope with, with Foxtrot RPA and eliminate the need for all those temps being hired. So that, that redeemed almost their 5% of their total revenue, which is what a nonprofit usually has to operate on and free that up for other operations. So it doesn't need to be tens of thousands. It could be hundreds. It depends on the case, how long it takes, what the time window to do things are, uh, what it's costing you uh, as, a, as an organization when the, when the the inaccuracies occur that are caused by human interactions because humans get bored and uh, have a you know, short attention span, especially in these days. So 
when you have a machine doing it, at least it's going to do it the same way every time you told it to do it. And uh, oftentimes those mistakes aren't found until you impact a, a, a stakeholder uh, and, and it affects your business. So that's just really hard to measure, but it's very costly. So those are things that need to be taken into account as, as well as the basic numbers. But our, our best estimate is that by the time you take a, a, an FTE, a full-time equivalent, and you train them, equip them with technology, and provide them an office space, it's costing you about $55,000 a year. So if that in mind, and you can free up that person to do other uh, higher-level tasks and, and, and create more automations as they understand it and learn it, and it's, uh, the math is, is very quick to reassure that you don't need to have a lot of huge transaction flows to, uh, to justify this. So should I be afraid that RPA is going to come and destroy jobs? Yeah, no more afraid than, than, than automobiles were going to destroy jobs and eliminate, you know, the people that ran horse stables. It just changes. Yeah. First three industrial revolutions had this kind of effect, and this is the robots or the uh, are the forerunners of the fourth industrial revolution, which is artificial intelligence. So, yeah, the workplace is changing, and people have to move with it. If if uh, people's sole capabilities is is looking up data on spreadsheets and keying in a computer, yes, they are. Th their jobs are going to be changed. But I would tell you, in 25 years of doing this, I've never seen an institution or, an, or a company. You know, massive lay off massive people because they're automating things. They they may attrition them over time, but um, you know it, it is not a, a on off switch. It's a process and a culture change in the organization. So no, you don't need to be afraid. So in in our prior conversations, you've made the case that what really happens here is you need a human machine partnership. How does that work? What what is it actually? Yes. Like? Yeah, so machines are very powerful, but they're they're not smart. And people, if people tell you that they're selling you a smart machine today, be very wary of that. And I'm the the only real artificial intelligence that's ready for prime time is is uh, uh, today is voice recognition and facial recognition is coming along behind that. The rest of it being still being developed, and so. If you're dealing with a, a, a robot that is a software robot, I'm talking about, of course, the human needs to kind of keep the keep it in the lane, keep it doing the job it needs to do when it when it finds mistakes or things things that it was told to do that it can't do because there's an exception. A human being able to readjust the robot and keep the process going is is a good thing because it keeps keeps you moving at the speed of business. And the the more you have the people closest to the work working with the robot to create those processes, maybe with the assistance of IT or a center of excellence for robotic process automation, the faster these automations are going to go. Because the, what the industry is finding out five years into this is that scale, the, the scalability where the business, every business has thousands of robots has not come because IT are basically the back office, not, not the subject matter experts who are deploying the robots, and they're not close to the problems. And it's hard to mass scale robots if you don't understand the problems and what to do about them and how to change the process and how to reprogram the robot when the process is different than you expected. So Gartner and, and many other research firms are talking about the, the role of the citizen developer in uh, automation 
which is the person close to the problem. In other words, a, 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 an operations person that, that is trained on the technology and able to deploy uh, solutions themselves. Maybe it's managed by a center of excellence involving IT and the corporate data uh, governance people, but it's still the citizen developer. And then the lines of businesses are actually spending about 40% of the IT budget in, in this world today. So that's because the lines of business have to move at the speed of business and they can't wait for uh, IT to develop solutions when they already have an 18-month backlog. So those are big trends that are affecting how the robots and the humans need to work together, robots and technology, to help the business. And uh, those trends are, are, are evidence that when you put technology in the, and you partner technology with the, the human citizen developer, subject matter expert, knowledge worker, whatever you want to call them, things just work out better faster. That's interesting. So, so now I'm a worker, and I've got amongst my employees this uh, robot, and the robot does exactly what I tell it to do, and it won't stop until I tell it to stop, which is kind of the worst imaginable type of employee you could have because things change. And so as the, the robot's boss, what do I do when things change? And how do I tell it that things change? And how do I know that things have changed? Well, as you can expect, it's not as simple as, as, as it looks like. They're, the robots can actually be told to look for certain situations or certain items on a screen, if you will, when it presses the enter key to input some data. Or, and if it's not there, it says, I just, I didn't get the result I was looking for. I don't know what to do. You can tell the robot to do a number of things. You can have it stop and say, say a word to you, say have the computer say a word to you. You can have it send an email, a text, a Slack, or you could have it log it and uh, go past that record and keep on working. And then the human can look at the exception uh, logs in those records and figure out what, what happened and take care of it manually or, or, re, or readjust the, the robot process. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, so it's, not, it's sort of a starting yeah. point. Yeah. The, but the, um, the kinds of processes that you're talking about have sort of routine variations imposed by regulatory agencies or changes in the way the business sees itself or bright new ideas about how to onboard people. And so, so the question is, more like how do you, how do you get your arms around what it takes to do the adjustment that's necessary to keep the robotic process yeah. relevant and on track over time, right? So, yeah. so the first one is exceptions, and, and that's great. Mm -hmm. But there's the other mm -hmm. thing, which is understanding what the robot does well enough to understand how to improve it when circumstances require improvement. Yes. So how do you do that? Well, you, you first you have to recognize when you uh, when you automate anything with a robot, you're creating a certain amount of what we call technical debt, right? Because things might change, the systems they operate with might change. There might be new regulatory requirements as you change. So um, you kind of that's where the human and the center of excellence comes in to know the processes you're automating, how they process them, the workflows being documented, so that when when there's a an impact to that, either from 
externally because systems change or from the government because regulatory uh, requirements change that that you go re-engineer the process or alter the process or uh, replace the process that you've automated with the robot. Travis, and Travis, so the faster you, you can do that, you you, go ahead. I just going to say the faster you can react and the technology lets you react, the, the more nimble you can be. Got it. So what does it take to get started? If I, if I want to install RPA in my company, what do I need to know to get started, and how do I how do I do that? Well, I would suggest that first you have a conversation with your stakeholders and and, and get them on board with doing get them some education on what RPA is and what it can do. Come up with some what I call low hanging fruit or sweet spots for automation. Then find a technology that is uh, geared towards the citizen developer like ours and get together with a company like ours and take take those those uh, use cases that you're looking at automating and kind of do a proof of concept and I'm talking I'm not talking about in 3 months I'm talking about in our case a few hours where we can deploy the technology in your environment through a web meeting of course sign whatever NDAs and things need to be done and show you how it works, teach you how to, how you would automate something, prove that it will work in your environment, and then start to acquire the technology if appropriate and, and, and start automating and, and start educating your team and start plotting how, uh, how you're going to progress to become a, a, a digital enterprise. That's interesting. So this, this sounds like a good entry point for getting to the more sophisticated intelligent tools that are right on the horizon. Is, is, is that how your customers do this? Yes, yes. You know, and, and we don't have any customers using much of AI today. We have some customers that are doing some what's called natural language processing where they're pulling structured data out of unstructured data. So, uh, but that's common. These, t these technologies are going to be uh, developing fast and become commercially available. So now that you've got a digital enterprise and, and, and you, you can take advantage of artificial intelligence to uh, improve the customer experience, which is really the only reason to use artificial intelligence, and then, then now you've got kind of a machine, you've got a foundation to figure out how you deploy this new game-changing technology that's going to be going to be coming down the pike within the next 10 years. That's amazing. So so if I want to get in touch with you and get started talking about doing this inside of my HR systems, how do I do that? What's the best way to get a hold of it? Go to our website, enablesoft.com, E-N-A-B-L-E-S-O-F-T.com. Send us a contact us, and one of our customer success people will be in touch to discuss how what the next right steps are for you. Fantastic. So it's been great talking with you, Richard. Thanks for doing this. Would you take a moment to reintroduce yourself and we'll get people coming your way? Great. Richard Milam, founder and CEO of EnableSoft, the developers and deployers and makers of Foxtrot Robotic Process Automation. You can reach us at EnableSoft.com. Thanks, John. Thanks very much. It's been great talking with you. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Richard Milam of Enablesoft, an RPA company. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you here next week, same time. Mm -hmm.